Welcome to the Natalie Creates Podcast, creating your best life one step at a time. I'm your host, Natalie Freeman, lifestyle blogger and business owner of almost 10 years. Join me here for conversations with entrepreneurs and personal development leaders about business growth, mental health, relationships, and more. Are you ready to take the next step towards your best life? Let's get started. If you like what you hear today, please leave a review and share this podcast on Instagram. Simply take a screenshot, share on stories, and tag me at Natalie Creates so I can thank you for your support. This episode is sponsored by One Canoe Two, a women-owned and operated stationery company that is close to my heart. These ladies create products with meaning, intention, and of course, incredible beauty. One Canoe Two's hand-painted calendars, planners, and best-selling greeting cards are some of my absolute favorites. And you guys should check out their incredible carry-all tote bag collection. You can get the goods at onecanoe2.com. That's one the number, canoe like a boat, to the number.com and use discount code Natalie Creates for free shipping off any order. Before we get started, I want to first mention that this podcast was recorded earlier this year before the worldwide outbreak of COVID 19. While none of us knew what lie ahead for the future of our businesses and our lives, I do believe the nuggets of wisdom shared here are still relevant and worth listening to. In this episode, I'm chatting with my friends Chip and Dan of Revel, an incredibly inspiring and beautifully curated gift store in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Right now, as you are listening to this podcast, Michigan has ordered a shelter in place, which means Rebel's doors are currently closed. Friends, I urge you to support this small business by visiting their website, rebelgr.com, and sharing words of encouragement on Instagram at rebelgr. Chip and Dan started Rebel with $70 and a huge vision. This year, they are celebrating 10 years of business. You guys, I am certain they will weather this storm, and I am so honored to share their story with you today. Chip and Dan, I'm so happy that we are in this cozy Airbnb together. Hey, Natalie. Hello. We've been talking all week long about business and entrepreneurship, and so it's such an honor to have you guys on the podcast to talk about these things and kind of share it with our listeners. Well, thank you, Natalie. Of course. So let's get started. Um, so just a question, who are you guys and how did you get started? So we are Chip and Dan. We own a modern gift shop in an urban area in Western Michigan in the city of Grand Rapids. We carry some of the premier gift brands of the moment, as well as items that we feel our wonderful gifts that we have found through our travels and through um, the life that we live. Then we've combined that all together in a, a retail experience that, that we hope will leave people feeling energized and safe and happy and inspired when they leave. This is Chip talking. That was Dan talking for the... For the listeners at home, so you can get a visual, maybe. Um, one of our goals uh, is that we want we wanted to make uh, gift giving, buying a gift, as much fun as receiving a gift. Um, me, personally, my love language is giving a gift. And so, even though our store did not start out as a gift store, it was something innate in me mm-hmm. that I just genuinely loved to do. Dan and I met in Michigan and we lived in Michigan for a while. And when the uh, economy busted, we were both in high design. What year was this? 2008. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are OGs. Yes. We are OGs. And so we were in high design and we were both working for the same company. Dan was doing creative. I was doing logistics. And we saw the writing on the wall that the company was probably not going to make right it through the housing crash. And so we uh, decided to move to Nashville. We had some friends that lived there and they loved the city. And so we decided to pack our bags and uh, get the hell out of town (laughs) and search for jobs. And so when we moved back, we lived there for several years and then um, the economy got a wee bit better. 
And uh, a lot of our friends started having kids, to be honest with you, and they tricked us. They started making us godfathers of their beautiful babies. And so it was very difficult for us to stay away. So we moved back to Michigan. How many godchildren do you have? I like to think... I like to think about us as godfathers, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to know, how many godchildren do you have? Four. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So the trick worked, and we hightailed it back to Michigan. And so when we opened up the store, it was originally all vintage. It was basically an over-glamorized antique booth. Um, I like to think it was a little bit better, but that was kind of the genesis of our, our company. But organically, um, I'm a gift giver. And there wasn't, because of the recession um, where we live, there wasn't a lot of small stores that would offer unique things that you couldn't find at Target or Kroger or something like that. And so naturally, out of my frustration to want to give gifts to my people, my loved ones, um, we started to gravitate towards gift items because I bloody well wanted to give them. And so that kind of was the genesis of why our store kind of reincarnated itself. It was an organic thing. It wasn't a calculated thing. There were no spreadsheets. There were no, you know, business books that we read that indicated. It was just an organic thing. And as I started to bring small items like that into a store that I wanted to give, the feedback was overwhelming right just not verbally i mean we got some verbal but it was people's behavior and and so that just sparked a huge change in our company and uh, we've grown since then on that premise right i think customers can really connect to a brand when they feel like it serves a purpose and it solves a problem right right yeah and part of part of the genesis of us opening our own business uh, was that we had experience in retail. I mean, I've been in retail in some form of visual merchandising or sales in retail since I was 16. And uh, Chip has been also in retail and has a ton of experience with, um, you know, like the financial end of things. So truth be told, I'm a child of the 80s. So I grew up in a mall shopping. So my <laughs> retail experience is the other end. It's consuming large amounts of clothing <laughs> that one doesn't need to be popular for the 90210 crowd. Go. But I do think with that said, like we didn't really know what we were going to do when we opened the store. We knew that retail was in our future. We knew that we wanted to do it. But we had to kind of go through the motions of starting something. And then our vision came to us after we realized what people actually wanted mm. from us. So basically, yes. we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but we had a passion. We had a somewhat of a vision. We had absolutely no money, but we had some skills because we worked in retail. Can we talk about that? Yes. We need to talk about this because so often people are like, how did you get started? How much money did you save? And I have to tell them freckled hen start. Like we started with $2,000. That's how much money we had that we borrowed from Luke's parents. Or was it 3000? It was like $3,000 that we started with that we borrowed from Luke's parents and then paid back in like $100 payments, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so talk to me about that. How did you go from this small vision that you had to slowly building it up to what it is 10 years later? Like I said, we, we knew that we could do retail. I, I know people always say things like this, but... In some ways, I always knew since I was really, really young that I was going to own my own store. I think most of us that do retail at some point just felt that in our gut that at some point we were going to do that. Absolutely. So when we opened the business, of course, you know, I had design background and home background, but I also didn't really know how to execute that. And there was really no way for us to execute that with the little bit of cash flow that we had. So I do think it just became... Well, we'll tell the real story. So 
Hopefully his mother's not listening. But so Dan, when we lived in Nashville, we had uh, filed bankruptcy. We moved to Nashville because uh, our job was going to uh, end. We saw the writing on the wall. What ended up happening was that we rented our house out to students who didn't pay the rent. They were law students, and so they understood the law way better than we did. And we were renting our house out of desperation, not out of any kind of knowledge, in hopes to save the house. Well, that didn't work out. And so while we were in Nashville, we lost everything. We had to file bankruptcy, and so it, we were just you know, devastated financially on paper. And so though that was the hardest thing, that was the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah. But I digress. So Dan got a, he wanted a Le Creuset pot for Christmas is what he asked for Christmas. We all want a Le Creuset yes. pot. And Absolutely. His, his parents are so amazing because they love giving these huge Christmas gifts, right? And so when we were younger, it was really special. They would give us stuff we could never afford. Well, she didn't really fully understand how picky Dan was. He didn't want just a Dutch oven. He wanted the Le Creuset. She ended up giving him the Martha Stewart one, which was beautiful. Martha, we love you. However, it's no Le Creuset. And so he was a little disappointed. And so we thought we would be able to return it and kind of use that money towards the Le Creuset. We thought, okay, we're going to sacrifice and we're going to get the Le Creuset. But what he ended up doing was returning it. And I think it was like $70 because I think it was on sale by the time we returned it. And he thought, you know, he was in a really passionless job. He absolutely hated his job. And so he said, I think I'm just going to return this, take the cash. I think I'm going to start an antique booth. And so he did. <laughs> and 10 years later, we have a store out of $70. That's amazing. So literally, I just went thrifting and bought I spent that money and then a friend and I opened a booth and then we just sold the things and then as the thing sold we put the money back into this little account and then we ended up I think we built $2500 and then that's what we that's what we used to open the store uh we maybe spent $100 to paint our little 400 square foot space and then we had a store. It was the happiest day of my life because it was it was mine. It was ours. Uh, but then, you know, the reality hits. Okay, we've done this. We've quit our jobs. We have no health care. We have this little thing. And hopefully people will come and engage with it. And so that's really how we found out about gifts because we just started listening to people and we started watching what they were doing. And Chip and I have this kind of we enjoy the science of things um so we immediately considered this like a science experiment and so every time something would happen we would sit back and say now why did they do that why did they look at that why didn't they buy that and um so that's that's how things that's a very long-winded version of how uh you know <laughs> it, it just evolved into this thing that we are doing now but I think that's so important. And I want to talk about that because you guys have touched on two things. One, you said you had a clear vision of what you wanted, but yeah. you also listened to the customer and you were willing to evolve. Yes. And then there's also the reality of you can have the clearest vision in the world and have no money or no support system. So we didn't have really much cash flow, but we also had no credit. So that was, on one side, really frustrating. On another side, we never had that to depend on, so that was never part of the equation. So however we got to where we are today, we had to do without that, without that help. And I feel like that's what made us so in tune to, to making sure that we listened to what people wanted because it was the difference of whether or not we had to go get a job somewhere else or work for ourselves. So when that kind of pressure is on, I feel like it makes you better. You're more apt to do the right thing. You're more apt to be healthy. You're more apt to figure it out because you don't have another option. And, um, 
I'm really thankful for that. And the other secondary benefit, and at the time, and even looking back, it doesn't seem like a benefit, but my wiser self now sees it as a benefit. Because we didn't have a business loan traditionally or even had a credit card with $1,000, we couldn't make buying mistakes. Now, the flip side of that is... I am envious when I see a smaller, newer companies able to grow faster than we were because they have those financial resources to invest and to grow and to take a risk and it pay off. And where we, where it was beneficial, we couldn't make mistakes in that way and buying mistakes. Like, and so it would crumble us and we'd have to go out of business because we made a really huge buying mistake or we rented too big of a facility. Right. We couldn't afford to make that mistake. We so couldn't we afford didn't. it. But the flip side was that we couldn't afford to invest when we needed the capital to just, and I'm not talking like $60,000 for you know a whole shopping center. I'm talking like $200 for an opening order. Right. And so there were a lot of times where, thank goodness, we had friends who also owned small stores that we would piggyback with each other and go to market and say, I can afford $100 of the opening order. They can afford $100 and we would open it together. And so, Don't tell the reps that. Yeah, shh. Once again, <laughs> this is a safe space, and we're not going to tell each other on each other, okay? So where that was great, we couldn't make huge mistakes. Yay. We also couldn't grow like I've seen. Like, for example, for you guys, you guys have opportunity. You guys are so much further along in your year mark than we were. And that's not just because you had you could borrow money or do the things that you do. There's a lot of talent there, of course. It's not the only thing. But I'm envious when I look at you because I think we couldn't make the risks that paid off. We also couldn't make the risks that didn't. Mm. And so I'm a little envious of that because it's taken us 10 years to be where we're at. And I often romanticize that if we could have made a $200 investment in a line and take a risk, we might have been able to propel forward faster. But, you know, it, it, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right. And you never know what anyone else is going through. Right. Right. You know? And so um, that was it helped us, but it also crippled us when we were ready. And we had the customer base and we had some of the experience to jump forward. We financially just couldn't. And so we but also, along. But also, Chip, you have to think about the fact that you guys have customers who have been with you since the beginning. Yeah. And they've watched you grow and they've been invested in the brand with you. That is you fun. You didn't open up as the 2,500 square foot rebel that you are now. True. So they've purchased your furniture yeah. They've been to your antique booth. Oh, yeah. And that is, there is such a sense of pride, um, especially every Christmas. You know, after 10 years, we've done Christmas for 10 years. And there is a sense of pride that our customers have when they come in and they see the line of customers at the cash register and they can't even get through on a busy weekend they'll come up and they'll just say, hey, you know, I just wanted to say, we've loved watching this happen. And we're so proud of you that you guys have done this. And thank you for being in our community. And that's, that's really humbling. Right. Because that's a side benefit. Um, but it's also cool because they do know us at our worst. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's some added, I don't know, just the mistakes you make now cannot be as bad as the mistakes you made right, 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. So that's been that's been really fun. Um I try to I try to make sure that I really take that in when it happens instead of being embarrassed and saying, "Oh, you don't have to say that or whatever." I try to make sure that I really listen to that in my heart because that's where it's really a full circle experience. Right. Yes, and another secret that can't leave this room is we're not supposed to have favorite customers, but we do. And a lot of times those favorite customers are simply the people who literally took a risk on that scrappy little gay couple in Western Michigan and bought their stuff. And when they come in and, and they have that experience and they verbally tell us that. I forget because I'm so bogged down with the machine, you know, you got to do and you got to do and you got to do. And then 
in a really busy season, it it stops me and it takes me out of the, I have so much to do in the automatic robot. I have to do this and then I do this and we got to do this, make sure this happens. And it puts it back to the roots. And after 10 years, you easily lose that Oh my, like I remember when we first opened and like our first year and I was cleaning houses to make the business go. And so, you know, this is before we, we had phones and we're not that old. There were phones, but it was, we, you only used the phones to call and texting was still fairly new. And so Dan would call me when someone would walk up and he's like, we just sold an Endable for $69. Can you believe it? And they were so happy and we put it in their car and I think it's going to be so pretty in their house. And that joy, that surprise of $69. Like I don't get out of bed for $69 today. <laughs> I will pay you $69 to stay in bed and not go to work. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so but what my long-winded reason for that is that when a OG customer comes in in a busy moment and says, I remember, you know, I still have that aqua table. Do you guys remember it was an end table? And I bought it and I was like, sure. I don't really remember. But I remember the piece. I don't remember them buying it because that was 10 years ago and I'm elderly. But it puts me in the genuine place where we started. Right. Like, I need that as a business owner, like, because I get so wrapped in the daily Mm -hmm. and, like, the tax forms and making sure the state is not yelling at me about something I did wrong, right? And it brings me back to that innocence of, can you believe they bought an end table? We got them to buy an end table. They like our stuff. We could do this for one more hour. Right. Because yeah. that was the reality back then. We can do this for one more hour because we sold something for 20 bucks. Right. And I need that. Like, because I, I'm human and I can easily lose my way after 10 years. And pride can get in the way. Busyness can get in the way. And those damn tax forms definitely get in the way. And so it's really good for my character and my soul to be reminded of the innocence of Someone really liked us enough to stop their car, get out, come in, and actually purchase them. Right. And I think that, you know, when people, when they think about a gift store, they think about you just like playing into consumerism. When the reality is, is that you are bettering their lives. Yes. You are making their home more comfortable. You're, you know, sparking joy within their home. Yeah. Um, but I have to ask you guys. It's just so obvious how well you work together. But what is it like working with your partner? (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. We can't answer that. (laughs) Next question, Alex. (laughs) Dan, maybe you can answer it. Um, You know, that's what's so kind of comical is early on. And, you know, Chip and I have been together for... 18 or 19 years now. And when we 19, to be very clear, (laughs) as of May 6th, it will be 19 years, Natalie. Thank you. So uh, nothing, nothing goes by without being noticed. Um, Does that answer your question? How it's like to live with, to work with each other? Is that that answer the question for you? (laughs) You know, I, I realized early on, because I'm always trying to work an angle, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, we really would make an amazing retail partnership because we each are good at the thing that the other person doesn't like to do. It's it's not that we can't do it. It's that we don't like to do it. And so why work for yourself if you also have to do the things that you don't like to do all the time? I mean, kind of the great thing about this is we can really play into our strengths. So on our best days, I will say we play into our strengths and we let the other person kind of fully realize what they're good at and we don't get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And then we try to check back in with each other as much as possible just to make sure that we're both on the same page. That doesn't always happen. um, But 
for the most part, it does. I think the biggest area that we struggle is that when you work together and live together, you have to figure out how to be, how to carve out time for yourself because you're at the store giving, giving, giving to the people that you work with, to the customers that are coming in, to each other. And, um, you know, if you're not careful, all of the little nuances that are super annoying just when you're in a partnership, like in a romantic partnership, become hyper annoying because you're just with that person all the time. And so I think it's just what we found is, or what we're still working on, I think even a really big goal for this year is to figure out how to be okay with taking time apart from each other and knowing that that's super important. The kind of the self-care angle where you're not being selfish, you're just for yourself for a moment because you have to. Um, That's just something that when you work a nine-to-five job, you have carved out specific times that you know you just aren't responsible to be anywhere and you can just do your life. When you own your own business, there's never a moment that it's not your job to make sure that everything's okay. And also that you're not just thinking about it. Yes. And so then, you know, the other, the other element of that is that we have to make a very specific uh, decision to make sure that we go out together on dates and do things that are not work. I was going to ask you that. Do you yeah. guys have a set we, date I mean, night or a goal? We're pretty curmudgeon <laughs> since yeah. we've become, you know, like we've been together for a long time and we like have had the store for a long time. We have a Friday night place that we go every week. It's something that we both always look forward to. It's not exciting. It's just a really great Mexican restaurant. I knew it was the Mexican but, restaurant. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it may seem ridiculous, but it's just a it's sort of a recentering for us to just be face to face and just spend that time where we're not trying to decompress and not speak to some, you know, like when you're in retail, when you work with people all the time, you have to have that decompression time to just not talk. And it's very difficult when you go home to a person who also does that. It's difficult to not just almost live separately, you know, where you're just quiet because you're trying to get that. So we have to be, we have to make intentional efforts to just do things that seem like they should just come naturally because there are so many moments that we are trying to just make sure that the ship, you know, if we don't have, if we don't have the store, then we don't have a house and we don't have all these other things that are super important and really nice to have like food. And so, um, I guess it just comes down to create, I I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's creating specific, not Mm -hmm. boundaries, but almost like, you know, those plates that you get, in the cafeteria that have separate little yes, um, separate areas. Little yes. Compartments. Sometimes you have to make sure that the peas and the mashed potatoes don't mix. Like mm-hmm. you have to make separate intentional times for all the different parts of what makes your life and your health all come together. Do you talk about the store when you're all on the Friday time. night? Yeah, we do. It's, it's something that we have to, work very hard not to talk about all the time. The problem is at this stage, it's such a passion and we love what we do. Yes. And I, I grew up in a very poor area. My family was very poor and there was never even the option of doing something you liked. You were just lucky to have a job that paid well enough to get food on the table. And that's been my whole, like, growing up, that was my whole perspective. Well, and, and this, opening a store, you're like that. This whole dream, leave your passion stuff was not, one, not part of my generation. But if it was part of my generation, it definitely didn't touch me because I was so low income. And so the thought of me being able to do something that I look forward to, I want to consume it like it is the biggest chocolate chip cookie and I never get full mm-hmm. and never will get a cavity. One of the things I want to add to your question is early on when we opened our store, a lot of our friends, we were at the age group where a lot of our friends who were married in relationships were having children. 
And Dan and I never really thought about having children and like adopting children, especially at that age. And so especially going through uh, bankruptcy, it was like starting all over and there's so much shame and guilt and embarrassment and there was all of that stuff with it. And so I naturally, to help my, help my friends relate to us and for me to relate to my friends, I projected that Rebel was our child and that like the opening day was like, you know, our baby shower, you know, come see our baby. Like, don't bring us a gift, but come see our baby. Like, we're, you know, here's a, it's a boy. Surprise. <laughs> and it has gifts. You know, that kind of thing. And so, because I wanted to relate to my friends because they were they were entering the stage of life that we weren't going to be a part of in that sense to relate to. And so, just like having a child, I read a couple of self-help books that were designed for mothers especially, but for couples to... Uh, to after having a child, that first letting letting Nana take the child and you're going to go out for dinner for like that first two hours, you know, and all of those stories. And we started to hear those stories with our friends. And so because my friends were going through that journey and the books I was reading we natu- I naturally had to do that with our with Rebel. I had to think about it as our child. Chip, that's so true. And mm-hmm. then like, and just like I would say to my friends who were a new mom, why are you feeling guilty? Get the hell out. Wash your hair. Put your makeup on. Let Nana take that cute little squeezer and let let her wash him and put him down. And you go to McDonald's, girl, and you get that Big Mac. Right. <laughs> and don't you worry about it. You know and. Mothers need that permission and parents need that permission. And so naturally, that's just kind of how we processed it, that we had to like, and I love that metaphor that you use, the lunch tray without yeah. the tr- lunch lady. No one wants to remember <laughs> her. But And also the peas are kind of But gross, yeah, like don't but... mix it. And it is, even at 10 years, it's a, a fight because it's a passion. But early on, we had to identify it and yeah, but we all we both love it so much. It's not like it's a struggle to do that. It just has, you know, and we have kind of the luxury now of going to therapy on a regular basis and talking about things. It just becomes about kind of setting up some parameters for how we're going to accomplish all the things we want to accomplish, including how are we going to accomplish staying connected to each other. How are we going to accomplish organizing the back room? It's all, it's all part of the, it's all part of your, it's all part of, it's all part of our human experience. It absolutely is. So what piece of advice would you give for someone starting out? Hmm. Don't do it. Run, run, (laughs) go work for a large corporation with a 401k. No, it's, I think, I think the, my big takeaway at this point is there are no easy roads. Yes. There, even people, we should never as human beings look at other people and think, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to be them? Because look how easy that looks. We all are incredibly good at as humans, at, or a lot of us are incredibly good at making things look a certain way that we want them presented to the world. And I mean, I'm going to be honest, this has been a really rewarding, wonderful thing, how it's turned out. And I would never want to scare anyone from, from taking on their dreams because they're your dreams, but there are no free lunches. There are no, um, get rich quick schemes as it, per- especially as it pertains to working for yourself and owning your own business and being responsible for your own income. It's very scary. Do and you- go to therapy. If you're going to open a store, make sure you have room in your life to, um, to better yourself and to, to figure out like how to, how you're going to, ha- what your plan is going to be for how you're going to take care of yourself in the process. 10 years later, do you still worry that you're going to lose everything? 10 years later, every day. We're setting up our holiday setup. We've been closed for 2 days, 3 days. And we're doing our final walkthrough late at night 
The next morning we're going to open all fully decorated for Christmas. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of inventory on the hope that everyone will come and do what they do every year at Christmas. And I still turned to Chip and Megan and said, oh my gosh, what if no one comes? That does not comfort me because I feel that way every time. I think that's the... <laughs> I think that's the I honestly feel that is the way that we keep ourselves grounded and that we strive for excellence because we are always trying to do it better than we did before. Yes. And you are exposing who you are. Yes. Look what we put together for you. We hope it's going to make your holiday season the very best it can be. What if you walk in and hate it? Yeah, it's like being vulnerable. It is. It is because so much of what we do comes directly from our hearts and from our passions, which are the most vulnerable things that we have as humans. And it's what makes us, it's what gives people a reaction when they come in. But yeah, I always feel that way. I always think, what if tomorrow no one comes? And I have no proof of that. Um I don't have anything to support that other than my own fear, but it is what keeps us hungry after all these years. Yeah, I would agree with that. If I had to give one piece of advice, this is so hard to say because most people who are in this position are visionaries or at at the very least have a vision. Don't be worried about being right. Be more worried about being married. One of the things that Dan and I have learned throughout the 10 years, with the help of therapy, is we often will say to each other, do we want to be right or do we want to be married? Mm. And if Dan and I, in our personal relationship, are so concerned about being right about who did the dishes best or didn't do the dishes, um, that's not going to pan out very well for long term, correct? And so when we... We have a lot of opinions about what we think is cool and what's not cool and what people should engage with and when and how and all of that stuff in our store, right? And and I'll say that that makes part of us what makes us good. It's dangerous when you, um, no pun intended, have a chip on your shoulder and you're <laughs> right and everyone should buy this widget because it's the coolest widget I've ever seen. And your audience is telling you, yeah, that widget's cool, but I like this other thing over here. And you're like, mm, yeah, that's not very cool. And I could be right with going out a business sign, or I can be married. And one of the things that we've learned is that walking into this, I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in being married. Yes. And so... I guess if I gave advice starting out, have your vision. Of course, you're going to have a vision. I can't even take that away from you just listening to a podcast to tell you not have a vision. You're going to tell me that you know what. But have your vision. But be okay with the universe telling you which direction you need to go. We changed our concept organically because our customers in the universe told us, hey, I think you're going to actually be a better gift store than you are going to be a home interior store. And are we talented in home interiors? Absolutely. Does Dan make a home such a beautiful environment? Absolutely. But he wasn't willing to be right. He was willing to be married because we wanted our baby to grow up and have a full life. And even if that meant like that does life doesn't even look like what we pictured our child to be. Maybe they're just going to have dirty hair sometimes and that's okay. Chip, that is so true. When freckled hen started out, we imagined it being equal parts farm and garden as home. And it's turned into a gift store. Mm-hmm. And no, because it the might be that in 30 years or 30 minutes. Like, I often will say to customers who are giving us such great um, homage, say, I love your store. I'm so glad you're here. You know, I often will say, we'll do this as long as we're meant to do it. And the universe will tell us and then we'll go sell air. I don't know. I'll go sell something. I'll go do something else. There's a freedom 
even though that's scary as hell to think about my store closing and that safety net of my income and all of that. But there's a freedom in it because I'm not interested in being right. I want to be married. And if that means Rebel has to close and I my life gets reincarnated in another way, maybe another store, or I go work for a financial institution, I'm still married. I wasn't concerned about being right. And so that takes all the pressure off that once the universe says, it's time for you to pack it in, or you're no longer being a value to your community, pack Mm. it in and go find your value somewhere else. Yes. And that gives me a lot of freedom, even though it scares me. Chip, this is so good. It scares the poop out of me to lose my store because of the financial. And I love it. But I know at the end of the day, if the universe says, close your store today, I, I didn't die being right. I still will move on. We will still have our own, a new future because we want to be married. Mm-hmm. Gosh. What makes Rebel different from other retail spaces? Yeah, well, um, we definitely put an emphasis on the, the experience. The visual experience is of utmost importance. So that's, that's a big one. Um, we, we spend a lot of our resources to make sure that when somebody comes in, it, it jars them in some way, like in a good way, but it, it, they might like gasp. That's what I want. I want that. I want somebody to be able to maybe have a day where they had to go to chemotherapy or they got really bad news at work and they can come in and be lifted by that experience. And so we spend a lot of energy and resources making sure that that's the case. So I think that's a big one. But then I also think that early on we found our voice and we found our tribe of people who, um, who also needed to hear that voice. And so all of that came together to create this, this safety for people who need it and this comfort for people who want it. And that all encompassed in being able to be there for, for our customers' special days or hard days as it pertains to the gifts that we're giving. You know, we're, we're there when they're getting married. We're there for their birthdays. We're there for their first baby um we're there for their family and we're the place that they want to bring their family when they come to visit it's their place so i think that's been a big difference from the beginning we wanted our customers to feel like they owned the space it was theirs to come and freely be a part of and to experience and to feel okay or to feel better than okay um and that's something that's always served us really well Yes, there. Um, we took a risk on sentiments that weren't largely available in our area, cards um, and sayings on things, and it was a big risk because of the type of environment we live in, the community, and so cuss words. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. just but even being either, real, like yeah. for instance, you know. Um, but definitely cuss words. Yes, yes, like makers who were were saying real things or. We're talking about feminism or we're um, talking about talking about fertility. Like when I mean, it seems weird now because there's so much on the market. But when we first started carrying cards, we were drawn to the ones that were talking about infertility and real things, real life. Yeah. And like, you know, um, as silly as it might sound, but, you know, animal sympathy, because we don't have children, and so we project our children onto our animals, and we have a lot of customers that do the same. And when those animals pass away, it's as devastating because it's a family member, it's your child, you know. And so those were all new sentiments. Those weren't on Hallmark cards that I had growing up. Well, and even paying attention to pop culture and what's happening in the world... Because I'm an um, 80s kid, and I live and die by pop culture. Like, it is in my blood, right? And I've had to do a lot of work to untie myself from watching so much TV and getting consumed by pop culture and people's lives. Like, I've literally had to do decades of work because that's how I grew up. And so that, of course, just kind of ornately happened. But in our area, people weren't doing that. They weren't paying homage to the people and characters we all knew together. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that I've realized 
when people come into our store, and I know we fundamentally disagree how we see the world, polar opposites, there's this magical thing that can happen with pop culture. We find our common ground in that quirky little show that we think is so funny. Yes. And even though we see the world so completely different that we might even start wars with each other over, when you find a common thread in just some frivolous pop culture, either music or television show, it builds, as silly as this sounds, it builds a bridge to where it's like, oh, you're human. You like Schitt's Creek too? You're not so bad. But two minutes ago, I was ready to die on my hill against you. Yes. Well, it's it's no different than anything when you actually get to know someone most of the time like them. You know, it takes it disarms getting to know someone is the best way to disarm someone. And one of the things that I one of my favorite things is how we can, you know, we'll pay attention to some trending show or something that's happening like current events and then we'll find a maker who is making something that references that. I love hearing, how do you already have this? How is somebody already making this thing about this show that I just found out about that I'm absolutely in love with? And it just makes them feel like they're part of something with us. And that's so rewarding or just disarming and it just, it does, it makes you feel like we're all kind of in this together. We're all people. We're all humans. And your products are made by humans. Yes. And they're made by small makers. Yes. And I think that brings us to a big conversation, which is Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Oh, you mean with all the trees, <laughs> the pretty rivers and everything? I wish we were talking about that. <laughs> but talking about brick and mortar business, online business by a small maker, um, products made by small makers. Um, people are so afraid that brick and mortar is going to go under because of Amazon. How do you feel about that? Because I don't necessarily feel that way. I don't feel that way either. I often turn to chip and say, what do people think that they're going to do if every brick and mortar store is gone because they've ordered all of their goods and they're sitting on their front porch? Yes. What, what are they going to do? Because so much of what we do at this point is about being social and coming together as the human race and entertaining ourselves or having a good time or getting a feeling from it or, or creating, um, a good feeling for someone else by finding something that's perfect for them. So I feel that that part of our, of our society, that part of being a human is something that goes back to ancient times. It's not just going to go away because some guy had a really great idea, um, which obviously has panned out at this point. I think what we need to do is learn how to work with this new technology. It's really no different than what we, the the story we always hear about Detroit and how the car industry made sure that public transportation was not accessible for, for people because they wanted everyone to buy a car. That was a part of being Detroit. That was how we were going to build this society. Instead of seeing the car as a piece of technology that we all had to interact with that wasn't going away and that we could figure out how to make that work within the framework of how we lived without destroying everything that we'd already created. Mm -hmm. So I often look at Amazon as this new piece of technology that we don't really know its limits. We don't know all the things that it can do. We know some of the things that it can do, and some of those things are really terrible if you own a small business. Um, But there's this cross-section between convenience and the fact that we as people living in modern day society have so much that we have to accomplish and that having your toothpaste and your cat food show up on your front porch is really wonderful, but you still want to be able to go out and engage with retail because it's fun to do. It's enjoyable. So we're trying to figure out right now how to 
just not be angry at it and to not see it as the other, but to figure out how to help our customers understand that we all have to live in this together. And we, they don't want us to go out of business and they don't think that their small in the moment action is going to put us out of business. So I think we, we need everyone to see the bigger picture. It's sort of like recycling or climate change or some of the, you know, all the things that we do every day to make sure that we do our part to make sure that our world is sustainable. That's just kind of part of being a human in this decade, in this century, I guess. We have to figure out how how to be sustainable. And so in my mind, it always comes back to experience. Um, we are going to try really hard in this next year to adopt a or to adapt to a new return policy that we've created that is basically um, mimicking the very liberal return policy that Amazon has. Because from everything I've read, that's one of the main reasons why people choose Amazon. They don't feel bad if they buy something and decide that they didn't want it or they shouldn't have bought it or whatever. So we're just trying to study what Amazon is doing and why it's so, um, why it's become such a sensation. I don't know. That seems like a small word next to Amazon, but to figure out ways that we can live and adapt with it as opposed to trying to fight it. Now, with that said, you know, we're here on this buying trip and we are asking a lot more questions and we're being a lot more careful to work with people that understand the industry that we're in and what what our goals are as a store. And so there are some larger brands that we will probably walk away from in the next few years. And you know, I'm I'm okay with that. We're we are nowhere near the same company that we were 10 years ago, and in 20 years we will be nowhere near the same company that we are now. So mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't necessarily scare me. Does it frustrate me on a daily basis? Absolutely. So um, I say this sounding like I'm super healthy and have worked through all this, but I think it's just going to be something that we have to continually ask questions about. And I would love to actually get more feedback from our customers. I haven't figured out how to do that yet, but I'd love to, you know, in some of the experiences that we've had where somebody will walk in, see a product that they didn't know existed, and then instantly put it into their phone. And I see that they have Amazon up on their screen. I'd love to just have a a very chill conversation with them and kind of understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think they're doing it to be mean to us. They're not doing it to us. It's just part of kind of a societal norm at this point, like using your cell phone. Um, so we just, we're trying to figure that out. We're trying to examine it when it happens. And then we're also just trying to look at it without fear, but that we can somehow figure out to work within the framework of that new technology. I think we will look back in about six years and actually thank Amazon for making shopping better. And I think what they're going to make shopping better is, if I can just use the example of my own life, I don't want to shop for toilet paper, have to have it. Toothpaste, boring. You know, razor blades, boring. Cat food, boring, right? And so when I use Amazon, because I'm not a purist, when I use Amazon, it's for the things that give me no pleasure, but I absolutely have to have. And so it just comes and I don't have to think about it. And what Amazon is actually going to do, I I theorize, mark these words, America. (laughs) Amazon is forcing us, Dan and I particularly, but also all the other conversations we're having with uh, other small business. It it makes us, we have to get better. We can't get lazy. And without the onset of Amazon, I've seen there have been years and times where Dan and I are lazy before Amazon caught on because it's like, Oh, you know, 
just reorder that again. You know, it's a good seller. They're not really moving forward. But And it doesn't make you thirsty. We weren't thirsty to replace that company because they weren't innovators, right? And their time have come and gone. We just kind of rest on our laurels. And Amazon is actually forcing us to be better. One example Dan gave was our return policy, you know. In years past, uh, it's been kind of an industry standard. Boutiques kind of have a really limited return policy because they're smaller, special items and stuff like that. And so without Amazon, we would have never have to rethink that for our industry. And we are rethinking it. And so we are, we are playing with theories and trying things out. And so Amazon is a direct reason why we're doing that. There are certain products that... Dan mentioned that we probably won't carry because they're just too readily available on Amazon. So guess what that means? That actually forces us to dig deeper, to find the smaller maker. And because we're looking for a smaller maker, we just gave a maker a chance that we wouldn't have given them with no Amazon. And we're just selling that huge corporation stuff like a dime a dozen. And so I theorize that when the media talks about Amazon or the internet in particular is killing retail, really what it's happening, and this is a hard pill for me to swallow too, it's killing average, boring, non-innovative, non-passion-driven, middle-of-the-road boutiques are getting slammed and shutting their doors because their passion and ingenuity is not on fire. That's who Amazon's killing. Chip, bring the fire! And so (laughs) it's a reminder, because I fall on that same trap, not to become of that middle-of-the-road boutique with three locations in a tri-state area that is just blindly selling stuff and who has maybe lost their passion and is not looking for that small maker or that new innovative maker that no one's going to give a chance to. Do you know what I'm saying? I absolutely know what you're saying. It's going to make us better. Right now it feels hard because of what Dan was mentioning. Like we have to figure out this technology. It's like the internet at first. Like we didn't really know what it was. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to take off. You know, my mom's like, this shit isn't going to take off. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I think it's going to catch on, mom. But we had to figure out how to use it. And now we all have these real life examples of how we use it. And so if Amazon continues to grow and do what it does and it's not broken up and all of those things, um, I venture to guess, not in this moment, I don't feel this, but in six to 10 years, I will thank them for making me a better store owner. And Mm -hmm. without them, I wouldn't be better. There'd be no reason to. Guys, this is so good. I want to keep talking, but we have to wrap it up. But I have, I have a question for you guys. Um, What's happening next? One really exciting development is that we are taking more time to care for ourselves and not be running around panic stricken all the time. So that's pretty cool. Good job. Good Um, job. You know, things like going on a walk, taking a bath, taking a bath in my new bathtub, which is super great. Um, Those are all new developments because we actually are taking time to care for ourselves. But then, you know, we're, we're talking more these days about passion again and about passion projects. And what do we, we're not talking about things in terms of what do we have to do. We're talking more in terms of what do we want to do and realizing that a lot of those options are a lot more open than they were 10 years ago. So um, currently we're working on a new little boutique that will be highly curated and will be a a passion project based on things that we are currently really drawn to and excited about that don't necessarily have a voice in our current retail spot. So I'm so excited. It is going to be exciting and it's not scary because the the pressure that we have to do something isn't there. So all we're left with is we we have it has to be good business sense, but what do we really want 
to bring to people? What are we really, really excited about? So that's that's super cool. So I have to think, okay, I, maybe a younger generation won't remember this movie, but Pretty Woman, there was a scene in the beginning of what seemed to be like a homeless guy walking across the street just talking to <laughs> clearly no one. He was kind of a little bit of insane. And he was walking across the street, and he's just like yelling, not really to anyone, what's your dream? What is your dream? <laughs> and what's weird is our dream has come true. Yes. Where I am sitting in the dream that I never fully could realize until it happened. So 10 years in, this is our dream. We make enough money to be very comfortable. We've done all the things that we dreamt about. And there was a time last year where we got bored and lazy and didn't. we weren't innovative, right? And then one day I just thought like, what am I supposed to do when my dreams come true? Mm. And so I asked my best friend, you know, our dreams come true. He's been a part of the journey the whole time. And he just looks at me and he goes, we'll get another damn new dream. It's that simple. Yeah. Because we don't talk about, we always talk about chasing our dreams. Let's chase our dreams. And we are very fortunate. I say this in the most humble way I can possibly say, our dream has come true. Yeah. But I'm not dead. Right. Mm -hmm. I still want to work. I still want to give. I want to do something. Well, and here's what's cool. You're not limited to one. There's not like, you know, we didn't give up our one dream golden ticket and now Mm -hmm. we don't have any dreams left. Like you're allowed to have as many as you want. Mm -hmm. So we had to re-ask ourselves, what's your dream? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know? It's so the the second store was birthed out of that as a passion project, you know. Like Dan said, there has to be some semantics, obviously, you know. Um, I can't just burn money in the streets like this is my passion, you know. <laughs> but you know, I have to pay mortgage. But it's interesting to have a dream fully realized and you're living it today, and be so proud and humbled by it, and then and and then be cocky enough to say, "Oh, hold on, universe, I'm gonna dream one more time." Yes, yes. It's pretty ballsy, but we're here for it. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay, Chip, I have a question for you. What is sparking joy in your life right now? Rediscovering that origin of, oh my God, Dan, can you believe someone just bought a $20 lamp from us? Mm -hmm. Rediscovering that because it's easy for me because I'm the systems guy and I'm very right-brained A, B, and C. It's very easy for me to just get wrapped up in the have-to-dos, you know? check all the boxes at the end of the day and to forget like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. You know, when someone was like, I love your store. I've never been in before. It's so amazing. I can't believe it. And I'm just like, I'm too busy. Like in my brain, I'm saying to this person, even though I'm not physically saying that to them, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on. I have got to go finish that report. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Thanks. Do you know what I mean? It's very easy. Now, mm-hmm. If I were to tell the 10-year-ago me that, I would slap myself in the face and say, are you kidding me right now? That's how you're thinking? But that is what ends up happening a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It's just so bogged down by the details and the tax forms and the payroll and all of that stuff that you dismiss when the universe is giving you that moment saying, job well done. Here's some good juju to continue to do it tomorrow mm. and so yeah, i'm excited so listening to it the second store that we're opening up has reopened all of that for me and it's exciting to be able to be passionate again on um and a little nervous like what if this doesn't work <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? yeah 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 like yeah. what if this doesn't work like we have to get scrappy again right and that's kind of fun mm-hmm. so it's yeah so that's the thing that's fueling me right now, mm. other than therapy, go to therapy right now. Call a therapist right now, America. Call them. <laughs> that's okay. true. Dan, what about you? Oh, I would say taking a bath. <laughs> yes. That is on your the, bathtub. That is, a, that is a top. That is a top priority. Um, you know, I have a couple different things right now. What I think just sort of rediscovering who I am, uh, what it looks like for me to be in my forties. And, um, so one of the things that I'm just really loving right now is kind of, I just feel comfortable in my skin for the first time ever in my life. I just, I really don't care what other people think, um, of 
my decisions or of who I am. And that has just freed me up to have such um, a new level of curiosity. So that's, that's been really, I think that's what's sparking joy in my life right now. Just having those moments where I just sit in my car and I'm kind of like, this is cool. Like I'm cool. Everything's cool. <laughs> you know, everything's going to be that's okay. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, that's, I think we all are on that journey toward that. And I'm certainly not all the way there, but having those moments where I'm stepping outside of myself and seeing that and acknowledging what it is, uh, has just brought me a lot of clarity. So that's mm. fun. Can we please record another podcast and you can tell us all how to get there? Clarity. <laughs> Dachshund. Hashtag follow them all. <laughs> they will bring you center. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks oh, for having us. Yeah, this has been, been so great. It has been really fun. How can we connect with you? Um, we, you can find us on uh, our Instagram, which is at rebelgr. We do have a website. Do people use websites except for absolutely, Amazon these days? Absolutely. It's rebelgr.com. And then, um, yeah. That's good. Come see us at the store sometime. Super in Grand Rapids. In Grand Rapids, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. To stay up to date on all things Natalie Creates, sign up for my newsletter at nataliecreates.com or follow me on Instagram at nataliecreates. This episode is sponsored by Freckled Hen Farmhouse, a modern day general store filled with thoughtful home goods, gifts, and seasonal decor that encourages everyone to live fully and give generously. You can visit the brick and mortar store at 840 North College Avenue in beautiful Fayetteville, Arkansas, or shop with Freckled Hen online at freckledhenfarmhouse.com. Use code NCPODCAST15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase at freckledhenfarmhouse.com. Don't forget, If you like what you've heard today, please, please, please leave a review and share this podcast on Instagram. Simply take a screenshot, share on stories, and tag me at Natalie Creates so I can thank you for your support. Thanks, y'all. Let's talk soon.